the Catholic tradition, the summary of our beliefs is recorded in what we refer to as the creed, that which we profess every Sunday when we gather as a community for Mass. The creed is the quintessential summary of what it is that we centrally hold as true and we believe. For the Israelite people, in the first reading, we hear Moses giving what it is for the Israelite is referred to as the Shema, which would be equivalent to the creed for us as Catholics. This is the quintessential belief for the Israelite people. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Therefore you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And take to heart these words which I enjoin on you today. As we continue in that reading, that is not here in the scripture, he is, he is told, your, to Moses tells them to teach these to your children and your children's children. And so this was a foundational understanding of the Israelite people, that God must be loved with the totality of our being, that the nothing should be loved more than God. And yet, in our human weakness, we discover that we often put other things to love in place of God, or instead of God, or limiting the totality of our love for God alone. The Gospel this morning, we see, if you remember, in the past several weeks, Jesus is heading towards Jerusalem, and the, the leadership is trying to figure out how they're going to put him to death. How are they going to get rid of him? What are they going to do? What are they going to do? And so therefore, if you remember, so over the course of these seven weeks, different groups asked him questions. You had the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Herodians, and every question they asked him, he answered correctly. They could not find any fault in his answer. And so now, the big guns come out. The scribes. These are the lawyers. These are the ones who know the law inside, outside, upside, downside, and are always able to trip people up in the questionings that they ask. And so the scribe asks him, which is the first of all the commandments? Now notice that the covenant of God was established with Israel at Sinai with the Ten Commandments. So you would think that Jesus would say, the first commandment is the greatest. Love God above anything. But he doesn't say that. He doesn't pick any of the Ten Commandments. He picks the Shema, the foundational principle for the Israelite people. Jesus replied, the first is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Notice the scribe didn't ask for a second. He has to do it to the first. So the fact that Jesus threw this in is also very important for us to reflect upon. So we see that we are to love God with the totality of our being. We are to love God with everything we have. Nothing should come in place of my love for God. Now you're saying to yourself, well, Father, if we love God with everything, how can we love others? If we love God with everything, then we are only capable of loving as we're supposed to love. 
Because we live in a world that has misdefined and corrupted what love is. That, uh, what the true understanding of love is. And so love has been reverted to the superficiality of the, of the effects of love. The warm fuzzies we feel, the happiness, the joy, the smiles it gives us. That is not love. That is what came out of the, was epitomized from the love generation of the 60s that we are still dealing with. That's not what true love is. St. John tells us what true love is. True, God is love. And so therefore, if we are to love, we are to enter into more closely that relationship with God who loves. It is allowing ourselves to be caught up in the mystery of the love of God, which is incomprehensible to our human experience. It is incomprehensible for our mind to, to, to fathom how much God really loves us. That he would not only create us, but that he would also die for us. How do you explain that? And so therefore, when I love God with my fullness of my being, from the, from the smallest cell of my body, when I love God with that totality, then I am capable of loving my spouse, my family, my neighbor, as I'm supposed to. But this little caveat we also have to reflect upon this morning, my brothers and sisters. Because Jesus says you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The greatest tragedy to existence, of earthly existence for the human person, no matter what shape or form they are or whatever faith they profess, the greatest tragedy is thinking they are unlovable. To think that you are incapable of being loved is the greatest tragedy and far worse than any sin we can commit. Because the very fact that I am breathing on this planet indicates that I am loved by God. I am sustained in existence because God loves me. Now I share with this you all the time. If God stops loving me, it's not that I just die. I cease to exist. I don't exist on the planet anymore. I'm into, I go into nothingness. So if you're alive and breathing and living on this planet, that means you are loved by God. And because you are loved by God, you are lovable. And because you are lovable and you allow yourself to be loved by God, you are then capable of sharing that love with your neighbor, with those around you. There is no one on this planet who should think that they are unloved by God. There is no one in existence who should think that they are so awful that they are unlovable. And this is our command by the Lord, that we love him with everything so that we can be living witnesses of the love that he has for all humanity. And sadly, we're not doing a good job. And I think we're not doing a good job because some of us think we're unlovable. Sad, sad, sad. Notice too, that when Jesus gives the what is the most important commandment, there is no mention of any of the Ten Commandments or any other command that he had given to us or any other law. And Israel was foundational on the law. 
Now, this does not mean, though, that we are. That it doesn't matter if we follow the commandments. You know, that's another. That's another little lie from the bowels of hell that we are still ra rallying against. That as long as you love, it doesn't matter. As long as you love God, it doesn't matter how you live. Really? Really? If you're going to love God, then you're going to live the way He wants you to live. If you are going to enter into a relationship with the Lord, if you are going to enter into that relationship with God, then you are going to love God in return as He asks us to live by, the law He asks us to live by. Although the key is the relationship with the Lord. It is not living a moral life as the key. The key, the moral life is the secondary action of my love for God. And so if I, I can say I love God all I want, but if I'm not living a moral life, I don't love God. Words have to match actions. Words and actions are one. That is, what's, that is what we recognize by the Word becoming flesh. That the Word we speak must become incarnational in our actions. That's why we have the sacrament of life. In the sacrament of life, it's Word with action. The body of Christ, amen, bow. We are professing with our bodies what our lips are professing. When you enter into holy matrimony, you vow yourself at the altar. And those words which you vow are consummated at the, on your honeymoon. And so therefore you give action to your words. That is key. And so therefore, when we, live, when we love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, then we are going to live a life that is morally acceptable to the Lord because we love Him. It's not because we're afraid of going to hell. That's the childish understanding of faith. That's the childish understanding of any rules our parents give us. Do we do something wrong? We get, well, my generation, we got spanked. Maybe your generation to go in a corner. I don't know what you do, but we got into trouble. And so we didn't want to get spanked again, so we didn't do something. Not because we didn't want to do it, just because we didn't want the consequence. Well, that's, that is a childish understanding of obeying your parents. But hopefully as you get older and more mature, you listen to your parents because you trust that they love you and want what's best for you. And it is the same with God. In, our, in childhood, we might keep the commandments because we're afraid of going to hell, but that isn't, if that's where we're still at at 90 years old, we're in trouble. If that's where we're still at at 25, we're in trouble. We should be living the moral code because of my response to the love which God has shared with you and me. That is what is the, that is what is the essential uh, part of our faith. The key is the relationship with God. What does it mean to be a Catholic? Very often you have people who say, what does it mean to be a Catholic? And they'll go through the moral life. We have to do this, 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 and this, and don't do this, this, and this. That's not what it means to be a Catholic. What it means to be a Catholic, a Christian, a follower of the Lord, is to be in a relationship with Him. That is the foundational aspect. I am in a relationship with God. I love God. God loves me in return. And so therefore, I live a life that is worthy of that love He shares with me. Undeserving as it may be, but still loved by Him. 
So my brothers and sisters, it's been a while since I gave you homework. I'm going to give you homework, and this homework I'm just going to give you for this upcoming week. I'll be nice. But your homework is to show out there you love your neighbor as yourself. Which to fulfill that, you have to appreciate and understand the love that God has for you and your totality of love back for God. You see, it's sort of, a, it's a, it's a, it satisfied the Sadducees, the scribe this morning, but really it's a trick question, a trick answer that the Lord gives. Because if you're going to love your neighbor as yourself, you're going to have to enter into it a, the immensity of the love of God for you personally, so that you're capable of loving God as yourself. If you're not immersed in that love of God for yourself personally, then you have nothing to share. You have no love to give to the other. Because God is the source of love. And as I share with you all the time, this doesn't mean you're running around with the Bible telling people God loves you. It says here in the letter to John. No. It's simple. It is very simple. The greatest act of love we can give is the sacrifice of our time for the other. To sacrifice our time for the other. Time is money. Time is a commodity which we don't have enough of in our thinking. And so therefore we tend to hoard it and be selfish with it. So to love, to, to love sacrificially, to love selflessly, it means that I give of my time as one example of, some, of a selfless act of love. You know, I shared this example before, but you know, their telephone rings, and with caller ID, you see the name. And you say, oh Lord, this is going to be forever to talk if I pick up this phone. I don't have time to talk to her now. I don't have time for this. I have stuff to do. Voicemail. <coughs> well, here, your homework assignment is, I wish I knew all of your friends and family that you would find that problem with, because then I'd find them, I'd call them all up and tell them to call you. <laughs> but, it, but what you would do is, when you see that, when you see that name and you groan, don't hit voicemail, say hello, and give them the time they need. No matter what you think is necessary for yourself in time. Because, my brothers and sisters, when you give unto the Lord, you receive back a hundredfold. So when you don't think you have time to do something, when you do it for, with, and through the Lord, it is amazing how that 24-hour clock gets expanded. And not only do you accomplish everything you were supposed to do, but even more than you thought you were going to be able to do. That is the goodness of our God. That is the generosity of our God, who calls on His love for us to be generous as He is generous, even to the point of shedding your blood for the other. How good our God is that He loves us who are so unworthy. None of us are worthy of the Lord's love. And by the world's definition, we all should be unlovable. But the miracle of God's, the God's majesty is that no one is unlovable. Because the fact that we live and breathe, we are loved. We are loved by Him. If no one else in the world we think He loves us, we know that the Lord loves us. 
The fact that I am conscious and alive on this planet indicates that. So maybe some of us need to re-educate our little brain and stop the stinking thinking that we might have. And to recognize that we are loved by God. Maybe I'm going to add a side. You see the spirit just kicked in. Maybe I'm going to add to your homework assignment. Your homework assignment, as you know, every morning, wake up, come Holy Spirit, I am a child of God, now you're going to add something else. I am loved by God. So I am loved by God. Come Holy Spirit, I am a child of God, I am loved by God. So that it gets into the brain. Just like Israel had to memorize their Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord of God is one, the Lord indeed. So we too need to reconstitute re, re our brain into believing and knowing and then believing what we profess over and over again. The fact that we are loved by God indicates that you and I are capable of doing the impossible because through God's grace and strength, all things are possible. What, good and, what a good and loving God we have that not only creates us but loves us keeps us in existence, and even will die for us, that we might live with him for all eternity. You're not going to want to spend eternity with someone you don't love. So if God is opening us the gift of eternity, it's because he loves us and wants to be with us forever. That is just beyond belief. However, it is a truth. It is a truth that defines who God is for you and me. God is love. And because I am loved by God, please God give me strength and courage to love as you ask me to love my neighbor. Praise be Jesus Christ, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.